Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Can you make my hair look like this? Oh, man, what you want to make your hair look like that for? Well, I like the way you wear your hair. Wear natural. That's good, man. You know, I wish more of the young children today would wear their hair natural like Dr. Martin Luther King did. That's right. You ain't never seen Dr. Martin Luther King with no Mr. Jerry Curl on his head. Ain't that right? Amen. Dr. King ain't come walk around like that. You know, sweet, I met Dr. Martin Luther King once. And you lying. You ain't never met Dr. Martin Luther King. Yeah, I met Dr. Martin Luther King in 1962 in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm walking down the street, minding my own business, just walking off, feeling good. I walk around the corner, man woke up, hit me in my chest, right? I fall on the ground, right? And I look up at Dr. Martin Luther King. I said, Dr. King. He said, oops, I thought you were somebody else. Oh, man, you lying. You ain't never met Martin Luther the King. Knocked the wind out of me. Yes, he did. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. No, he did not. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you. Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. This is your good friend, Patrick O'Dowd. Welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. And of course, we had to play the clip we played because it is coming to you here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com on Martin Luther King Day. Chairshot does remind you, of course, to always use your head. Thechairshot.com. Always use your head. We know Dr. Martin Luther King, you always used his head because he would have listened to the chair shot too, I am sure. I am, of course, joined by three quarters of the OG bandwagon this week. That's right, I am joined by Mr. Saturday Night, PC Tunney, and the lawyer himself, my partner in Disney crime, David Ungar. 
gentlemen, welcome on to the bandwagon this week. How has the weekend gone, Tony? How how you been? How you been? Shaking I'm, your head. You're already shaking your head. Just recovering from spending some time in the great outdoors. <laughs> yes, buried under a million feet of snow, from what I understand. It's cold and there's snow here. That's that sums it up. Now, 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 are you Kansas City cold, or like is Wisconsin less cold than Kansas City was? No, this morning we were Kansas City cold. It was negative seven with a wind chill of 28, negative 28 this morning. Very nice. So if you had had a big enough beard, it would have frozen like Andy Reid. Oh, yeah, gross. That was, that was quite get on it. That was well, this, the television's terrible now. Yeah, the halftime reporter was even like, yes, I asked Andy Reid if those were icicles, and he said yes. Why Why do we need that? I How many times? I didn't actually watch the game because I think that game was on. Was that the game that was on Peacock? Is that the one that was on Peacock? Yeah, I just saw uh, Peacock to be honest with you, because the first game was on NBC as well, and you could watch it on Peacock. So I didn't even change over. The fun, Fair enough. The rage over Peacock was beautiful. Well, there was, there's a, yeah, I see there's a bunch of jokes about people canceling their Peacock subscription today because you know they watched it for one game <laughs> or whatever. The cock? What oh. are you talking about? Uh, cock you, you know, you guys, you never eat a cock box. Jesus Christ! I sometimes I hate you guys. I mean, sometimes I, I hate you guys. It I just write, it writes itself. I, I get. I get that the two of you are grossly immature and can't handle this in your in your middle to late years, but like <laughs> we can just call the network what it is. Like we just call it Peacock. It's okay. Um, I do. How many cutaways to Taylor Swift did we go to um, during during the show? It wasn't were that many. No, it wasn't that bad. Good. It was less than half a dozen. But she's I'll too busy do- being a uh, political operative for I- the. Uh, Travis dropped like three passes though, and they were pretty bad. It was way Travis, for them to, Travis uh, Kelsey has not had a good season for, no. for Travis Kelsey. In the words no, of not. in the words of Burgess Meredith from Rocky, women weaken legs. I'll just leave it. Yeah, I, I was wondering yeah, you Dave um noticed that the uh the Rocky poll not as strong this time. I was uh, I was a minority voter in, in the in the poll. Uh it was hard. It is hard to argue against Rocky Four because the movie is basically just montages. Like that's all it is. Uh, but I do. I, I did cast my vote for Apollo Creed and Rocky training on the beach. Yeah, do in the uh, the race, the race down the side of the I've beach. I've always been Rocky number two. two. What's that? I think, I think four is number one. Three is number two. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. I always went Rocky too because Adrian looking at him say win and that music kicks in and it's off and ro- and he's got to catch up because he's been slacking for so long. It crazy. feels like that's a generation gap. Like again, an old man talking about how he loves seventies Rocky, whereas you know Tony and I are a little more eighties Rocky. Eighties uh, Rocky four, by the way, worst end of uh, boxing match speech ever in the history of filmed uh, boxing match speeches. If if I could change and you could change, I mean, That's Rocky brought down it. communism. Not how he says it. I don't care. Because if I no can change, it's a bad movie. Jews can change. Everybody's yeah, can okay, change. Right. And I think he grossly underestimates the population of the U.S. and the USSR. But hey, well, I mean, baby steps, right? We're all, it's all better now. Communism is fine, and we we get along great with Russia now, Absolutely. all because of Russia. It's a true story. Um, nothing going on over the Ukraine. It's totally fine. Totally fine. Nothing happened here, but we're not going to get too heavily. Well, we might get a little political later when we get into the trailer park, but like, we're not a, we're not a heavily political podcast folks. We are back though, into our regularly scheduled bandwagon. We are back to our normal format. We have wrapped up the nerdies though, though, Dave, Tony, we're, we're going to put you on the spot. Dave's a little concerned. 
Doesn't seem like a lot of folks listen to part two of the nerdies. Yeah, Red Circle's numbers are was, way off. I don't know what the hell happened. Like, did we like lose the feed for a couple days or something? So, 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 fan, fans, I'm sorry if if we were terrible. Like, if our if our movie opinions were shit, like they, they started it. They said, "I'm out." I'm is it because we brought Ray Cash thing. back to the show? Yeah. Is that what it was? Fans I, were like, they turned it on. They're like, "Oh, yeah. it's Ray Cash." We, that, I that think DJ it's guy's no coincidence that Ray up. shows up and the numbers numbers just, go down down to yeah bottom down. There was a little hiccup there for a good week half a week there but I'm it looks guessing, like they're man. Uh, check back in if you didn't go and listen go back and listen it's still there i don't no, know no, blame ray send, send a tweet to uh ray cash and, and tell him no i'm just kidding don't don't flood ray ray with hate tweets we all know it goes to it's me dpp that's where those go so you know make sure you send the hate tweets to the right place but we have a new show to cover that's right we are kicking well not a new show a return to a show season two of invincible well, at least half of season two of Invincible is up on Amazon Prime, and Tony's already making the disgusted face. What the fuck is up with that? Which I agree with you, man. Like I agree that's with you. Half getting dropped. Uh, we, I don't know. I don't know when that's happening, and hopefully, hopefully, it's sooner rather than later. Um, I bet you we could Google it. Hold on, like that's we have the internet. We we actually operate on the internet. When and I'll Google it. Tony, Tony's going to effort that. Uh, but yeah, we're going to talk about uh, season two, episode one of Invincible on Amazon Prime. Uh, we will return to the trailer park. We're going to talk a little bit of nerds around the ner- news around the nerdosphere, uh, and then for what you're watching this week, uh, gentlemen, I'm going to share with you the two really terrible movies that I watched this weekend because I couldn't finish what I wanted to. So you. if you. Had- if you had to guess, would you think that the part two would drop sometime in 2024? Should. Are you are you shitting me? That's the best I what? can find. Sometime in 2024. That's the schedule. It's such a it's like, definitive. It's like Doom Patrol all over again. It's very disappointing. All right. Well, it's not going to get a. We're not going to fix it uh, today. Just it's just not how it's going to go. So I guess without being able to fix it, we will we will kick off season two, episode one. Dave, I don't think we have any music for Invincible. I don't even think Invincible really has music, if I do No, recall. but they had a great, Nothing. Uh, very perfectly situated song for episode one right at the beginning this week. So, um, yeah, I don't think there's Invincible music per se. Right, right. So we'll just, um, we're going to get to it. We're going to get to it and, and start talking about it. Uh, this show starts with a head fake. Is it? Starts no? you with a head fake. We'll talk. Yes, it is a head fake. It's not the future. It's a different dimension. That's that's exactly. that that's not a. It's a head fake in the sense that we are we're brought just kind of right in the middle of the episode with Mark Grayson, aka Invincible, um, flying a- around doing battle with. Um, and I'm going to forget his name, so I got to find it. Um, oh, the immortal. The immortal. Yeah, he's he's sitting there. He's doing battle with the immortal. Um, and you're not really certain as to why he's doing battle with the immortal. They're going back and forth. You know, Invincible's trash talking in this fight. Things start to get a little dire for him. And then out of nowhere, down comes Omni-Man to save the day. And between the two of them, they kill Immortal. And then they proceed to head down to Earth where you are learning all about the subjugation of Earth by um remind me that what's the name of the race the vol viltrumites yeah the viltrumites are are you know have subject are are subjugating earth they're on their way 
and Omni-Man and Invincible are quelling a rebellion. Uh, amongst the folks that you see that he is doing battle with, uh, you do see that he is fighting with his best friend, Eve. She is part of this resistance. Things are pretty ugly um, in this battle before eventually Invincible gets the best of her, snaps her neck, but doesn't kill her. They uh, they go through this whole thing, and then it's like this guy who we're not really familiar with, uh, this guy who we let her learn, his name is Angstrom Levy, who's part of this resistance. He escapes via, via a portal. Uh, and that's when we then find ourselves in kind of world prime, earth prime, at least in terms of, of the story we're following. Uh, and we spend a significant period of that time following Mark, his mom, Debbie, um, as they are, are sort of coming to grips with the events of the end of season one in which Mark battles his father, Nolan, a.k.a. Omni-Man, uh, before Omni-Man, who could who had Mark down and ready to kill him, flies off in rage, and we don't really know where he is. Uh, and so that's where we come in, uh, and we'll start there. So just sort of our initial impressions of, the, of his first sort of return to the world, because I felt like a lot of this, and I think this was a good move by the episode, was reorienting us to the world of Invincible, because it's been a while since we've been set foot in this world. Dave, go ahead. Yeah, um, the grand scheme of things, I love the episode. Uh, I, I think, like, you know, the flashback leading right into the head fake, you're like, wait, what the hell's going on? And then it kind of all makes sense at the end. But I think the overarching aspect of this episode is, is like you're saying, Mark and Debbie trying to come to terms with what happened with Nolan at the end of season one. And, and you know, especially Mark wanting to get involved in some sort of way and, you know, doing little things at the beginning, you know, like, like stuff that the cops can probably handle, but he just kind of makes it more efficient, you know, but he's not really involved in anything big and, um, you know, Cecil having the opinion that he's not ready for it. So I think that's kind of the big, the big thing I took away from it. I mean, the multiversal or multidimensional aspect of things, I know we can discuss further, but that to me, I, yeah, we're gonna get there. and it really, I mean, I love the episode cause it really, you know, you feel for Mark and, and you, you know, you just kind of like, Man, this kid's going through it and his mom's really going through it. And, you know, where does all this lead? That sort of thing. So I thought it was an excellent way to get back into it. And I'm immediately right back into that world wondering, OK, what what happens next? Tony, what about you getting back into the into the world of Invincible? Yeah, three three things happened. One was the the big psych out at the beginning, which had me before I before I came to me, you know, pretty quickly. I was like, damn it, I should have watched the end of the last season. And I was, you know, and then right. I was like, I'm like, what the fuck? And then I was like, oh, nice. I like that. And then um, Angstrom Le Levy or Levi, right? Um, Sterling K. Brown. Yes. Such a fan of that dude. Knew it was him right away. Um, love his voice and uh, the character that he's playing. And uh, more twins humor. Those dudes are fucking hilarious. The two scientist the twins. Oh, the Maulers are so fucking funny. Um, just, just, it was a really fun episode. I'm really interested to see where everything's going. Um, Invincible and Amber got accepted to Upstate University, so there's something to see what happens there. Looks like um, uh, Mrs. Uh, Omni-Man, it, it looks like she's going to be looking for some sort of part playing in, uh, revenge here. She's not happy. Um, and it just... It's interesting. It's interesting to see how much Invincible will grow now, too. If he'll stick to um, 
the fact that he's going to trust working for um, what's his what's the guy? Cecil. The old, yeah, for Cecil, Cecil now, because uh, that's kind of how where we ended is he was disappointed, but he didn't realize that he did the right thing. Um, and then this multiversal thing. What at some point are we going to see a good and a bad and a bad and a good? Is there a good Omni Man somewhere in one of these universes as well? So I, you never know. Um, Dave's like no, no. Dave's like no, but I mean, you know, is this just the one universe where Invincible didn't team up with his dad? Because that's what Angstrom said. He said it's interesting because in every other universe, right. Invincible teams up with Omni Man. Yeah, I have I've never read the the Invincible comics, so I can't answer your question there to know if there's any spoiler. I want to watch this. Yeah, I've only read like volume one. I'm into it right away. Um, but right, we do. It's it's interesting. You brought up Cecil and his team. The the team of youngsters are really struggling uh, in this episode. That's another thing that's going on to the point where he's like, "We need to change things. We need to add some." Uh, fresh blood, talent, and experience, and that you know is then leading to the reintroduced introduction of uh, Immortal to take over leading and, and training them, as well as we are introduced to Bulletproof, voiced by Jay Farrow. Yes, exactly. And, what's that? I, I was a good uh, good call. I, I love Jay Farrow being there to voice that. And uh, and this team kind of getting itself shaken to the core. Uh, specifically robot robot who was the one who was entrusted to be the leader of the team and his failures really bug him and he he is upset that he failed yet he accepts it for now uh because it's also very in keeping with his character that that like this is something like i messed up i'm i'm the weak link here what a, what i should be the one to step down and step away so uh tough on him Dave, you look like you were about to chime in. Chime in. What do you got for me? No, I, I like you were saying. Um, the guardians, the new guardians, I guess are called, and and it, and it becomes evident real quick where they're battling this giant eight year old, you know, giant who wants to be an astronaut and and do all this stuff as he's just mauling the city. Um, but yeah, I, I, you, you get to see it right there that they're they're missing leadership, they're missing muscle, and Cecil says the, the two things. He allegedly brings in bulletproof for the muscle, but he really brings in invincible because there ain't much more muscle than him and, uh, and right. mortal for the leadership for all that. But I, I thought like, you know, kind of, it's interesting to me, like skipping all the way to the end, like one of the last scenes is mortal and invincible and immortal clearly does not trust Mark. And that's probably going to be a re- running theme as far as like, is immortal the, to me, it's like, is immortal the common commonality in all these dimensions that forces Mark to align with his dad. Cause it feels like there's something there between them. That's deeper than, than what we might've already, you know, got introduced in this first episode. Right. And, and we shall see, because, you know, again, we, we were only one episode in, so there's, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff to play out. Uh, I wanted to mention, uh, while we're talking about the guardians and just sort of things, uh, one, I, I guess I never really have paid attention to how much Jason Jason Mantzoukas uh, is in, like, everything. Like, Parks and Rec, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He's the voice of Rex here on this. He's a vo- He does so much voice work, and it's a very distinctive voice. You kind of recognize him right away. Uh, I loved Rex in this episode. Like, I was just so... Like, he was delightfully annoying, but not so annoying that I wanted him to get off my TV. It was just, it was a lot of fun. And I hope they do more with some of these characters. And, and it seems like they're going that way with Rex, for sure. Duplicate in her relationship with Robot. Um, 
seems like that is the thing that's that's going to be built. And um, and where where uh, you mentioned uh, Debbie uh, earlier, uh, Mark's mom. She gets a she gets a visit from Olga early in the in the episode. Olga leaves her a card, tells her tells her to get some help. And um, I'm just uh, what could that be? Does Tutty, anybody know? Tutty, you know, I could tell from. Your is it face. something good or is it is it good or is it nefarious? <laughs> Dave wants me is to say a... something nefarious, and I'm not going to. I don't know what it is. I don't either. I something we haven't seen yet. Obviously, something that wasn't in season one that is going to introduce new characters in season two. I'm sure. You know, because yeah, Debbie's idea, the notion that for 20 years she was basically a pet, does not sit well with her at all. Well. Else is out to get Omni Man besides, you know, obviously, you know, um why can't I remember the motherfucker's name? Immortal? Mortal? Cecil. 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 Yeah. I mean, who else could she call? I mean, who else do we know from past? That's why I think it's somebody new. I, I think it's an introduction of a new character that we haven't seen yet, who is gonna push the story into a different direction in season two. Um, I don't know. But it, it yeah. is yes, yeah, very it's very intriguing. All right, let's get to the the big sort of narrative thread that I think is going to carry most of of at least the first half of season two. Sterling K. Brown, by the way, can't go wrong with casting Sterling K. Brown uh, in any role, uh, is the voice of Angstrom Levy. He is a character that is trying to find a way to defeat Omni-Man in his universe by bringing in through all of these other multiverses every version of him that has existed so that he can somehow collect all of their collective knowledge in an effort to help defeat Omni-Man and stop the the uh, Viltrumites from invading. Uh, he gets he enlists the help of the Mauler twins, the Mauler 1 and Mauler 2, his clone, uh, because they are genius level giant creatures that are they're very very dangerous to help him build this machine uh, to to gain all of this collective knowledge. You mentioned Invincible comes in and and, and Cecil convinces Invincible that he did the right thing. Uh, Invincible also had no context, and I think it is fair to ask the question: Did he do the right thing? Because at the end of this thing, when it goes horribly wrong, and Angstrom pulls himself from the machine, and he's all disfigured from you know, whatever the machine did to him with the brains and all these consciousness, he now is set on one goal and one goal, goal alone. And that is to destroy invincible. It's ironic. And so yeah. I think there is a, I think there's an argument there that though he didn't know invincible has inadvertently created his next nemesis, which is a very yeah. tropey superhero thing to do is that the hero inadvertently creates a, a, a nemesis. And in this case, it's uh, Sterling K Brown's angstrom levy. So I do think I've tried to I've tried to decide how I feel about multiverses again. <laughs> first first thought that came to mind, honestly, after I realized that I, I was not missing anything from last season and I thought I figured out what happened moments later. I thought, really, again, yeah. you know, go ahead, Dave. No, you're talking about, you know, tropey stuff. The superhero creates their own villain. Uh, is there anything more tropey now than the multiverse? it's everywhere you know dc's done it marvel's well, we'll, done it we'll, image we'll, is doing it um it's just like, I was like we'll, we'll talk about it later in the show but what if like yeah, it's just it's it's almost like you're getting to this lazy booking part hey we need to do something to create drama let's introduce a multiverse 
and bring in all these people. But like to get back to your point, hold on, Teddy, just just let me finish this. Um, it's interesting to me that Angstrom disconnects himself from the machine because he wants to save Mark from getting killed by all the Maulers. And then after Mark, after he does this, the Maulers say, don't do it. Now he's hell bent on killing the same guy who he disfigured himself to save. So, yeah. Sorry, Tony. I just, I wanted to get out. No, you're oh, good. Go ahead, oh, no. man. No, I was going to say the Star Wars already has the multiverse with what they just did in Ahsoka. That's true. <laughs> sort of. You know, it's close. It's very close. <laughs> we'll see. Um, okay. So, what was I going to say? I, I lost my train of thought. Go ahead, I'll Tony. just get one last thought in before you wrap up or whatever we're going to do here, but I... I still enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun. I can't oh, yeah, 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 absolutely. So, yeah, I think we're just, I think we're just being honest, you know, but it's still fun. It's still really fun. I, I, I'm, I wonder, I just wonder how much they'll dip into the, all into the, into the multiversal sort of storyline. Like, is this a one-off thing where now he's, now he's just here and the episode just sort of established that, or is this going to be something that gets into crazy town? Like, you know, when he called in all the different maulers from all the different dimensions to like fight him, that he apparently had also been working with, uh, which, by the way, he's like, I'm compromising my ethics to do this thing. He's been repeatedly compromising his ethics in an effort to try and, you know, kind of quote greater good this shit. That's so we'll why, see how that goes. For that's Mr. why Levy. I thought Radiohead's Karma Police was the perfect song for this episode. Sure. Yeah, it was. It was, uh, it was very apropos. So, all right, we. Uh, I, I will say this: I'm kind of looking forward to uh, the boys. Coming back just because I know we're not going to deal with the multiverse in the boys. It's going to be batshit crazy. You hope, life. right? Shut up, Dave. Dave, <laughs> no. It's, just it's your fault if it happens, Patrick. Yeah, you, you spoke it into is my existence. Fault God damn it. I feel, I feel pretty good about this being the only universe we're dealing with here. So uh, we're going to run with that. What we are also going to run with now is we are going to take our first commercial break. And then we're going to head into a relatively loaded trailer park. I had to stop myself from adding stuff this time around. Uh, but I do want to comment on at least one movie that I didn't put in the trailer park. Uh, and maybe I'll comment uh, on that first. Uh, but to hear that, you're going to have to wait until after this commercial break. So stick around. We'll be back shortly. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of the Chairshot.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out thechairshop.com, bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, thechairshop.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of thechairshot.com, where we remind you to always use your head Make sure you also head over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. Invest in a chair shot shirt, $19.99. But if you're feeling fancy, want something that feels good on your giblets, spend a few dollars more. Get it soft style. Those giblets will thank you. 
Also, don't forget, if you're the next person to purchase a Bandwagon Nerd shirt on ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash chair shot, we will publicly thank you on the show. We will acknowledge you. Dave, we will acknowledge you. Dave has made two wrestling references now on this podcast within the last 10 minutes because it's what he does. It's Dave's gimmick. It's it's he's, he likes to cross pollinate the genres, if you will. Um, it's been a while, so it's time to you know time to get out there and get that banjo, Dave, because we're heading back to the trailer park. So yeah, Tony's already put his hands up. He's learned the lesson. He's not going to play the banjo. So I need you, Dave, play that beautiful banjo. Okay, welcome back into the trailer park, everyone. It's been a long time coming, or, you know, two weeks coming, really, if you really want to get down to it. Uh, and we've got we've got five trailers. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest, very excited about a few of these trailers. Uh, I'm not as, you know, over-the-top excited for all of them, though. But I think that they're all worthwhile watches. And we got a little bit of a hodgepodge. But I do want to start. It's January which is usually horror movie season. And so, Tony, just know, because I know how much everybody knows Tony is the biggest fan of horror films out there. Everyone knows this to be true. Tony loves... Wrong, 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 wrong. Wrong, 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 wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. Wrong? It's true. I am wrong. Tony hates horror movies. Tony, Tony is not a fan of the horror films. It's not his his first go out and get them sort of thing. But I am going to Tony. I'm telling you now, you're going to have to watch some horror movie trailers over the next month and a half as January into February. Definitely horror movie season. Uh, the late fall is always like awards movie season. That's when like things like Iron Claw hits those A24 movies. That movie with Paul Giamatti that he won the Emmy for or not the Emmy, the Golden Globe for that then he then the took holdovers. with him to an In-N-Out burger to <laughs> to eat, the which... Hold- the Holdovers is, is an ex- The Holdovers is an excellent movie. You yes, The Holdovers, movie. probably. You, you have been praising the, praise, praising the praises, something. Anyway. Uh, but this, the other thing I've noticed uh, that that is, it's been a big thing for a while now, but in recent years I've seen, we've seen more and more of them, the biopic. And our first trailer this week is a biopic I just I felt compelled to share. And that is the trailer for Bob Marley, One Love. Film comes out on Valentine's Day of all day, February 14th. Uh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with, I'm not a big fan of, you know, take your date to go see Bob Marley get shot. Like, it'll, it'll be awesome. Together and feel all right. I'm not a big Bob Marley fan. Like, I don't have a ton of his music. I've never really listened to his music Um Regular, like I know his hits, like I know what, like I know a, a lot of the music folks have, but there's no denying the influence that Bob Marley's life 
had not not just on you know Jamaica, but on the world and the political stage within his within his home country. But his influence and his and his sphere of influence is still felt and reverberated today, uh, years long after his passing. And so this trailer, you know, it looks it looks great. It's going to be heavy. You can just tell like there there is pretty clear to me that they're going to take a deep dive into as much as you can in a biopic into Bob Marley's life. And it doesn't look like you're going to pull punches. It looks like this might be a little bit of a tough watch even as, as you watch this go down. Um, I'm very interested in this movie. I don't know that I'll be able to see it in the theater, but it is one that, um, that, that I am considering. I'm strongly considering in February when it comes out, Dave, what say you Bob Marley, one love. Um, I think I, I, when you share the trailer, I was like, I've seen this before. And it was one of the trailers for uh, Aquaman two. So I had seen it a couple weeks ago and, um, oh, in front of Aquaman two, I was like, this is not the way you said that. What are the trailers for Aquaman two? Your preposition. Yeah, I mean, that would have improved Aquaman two probably, but, um, you know, we're not going to talk about that. Uh, <laughs> no, Aquaman two wasn't a bad movie. Really. It really was. Uh, I, I've always liked Bob Marley. I mean, he, is the first introduction I really had to kind of reggae. And I know the, you know, reggae kind of has a big influence on ska later on when that was a big thing during the mid nineties or whatever it was. But yeah, I, I think this is one, you know, you, we've seen these come out here and there, you know, Elvis was another one of the sort of bi- biopics that you're talking about. And I think this one looks like it's got some really good acting and his story is, is pretty interesting. Um, So I, I love his music. He's, God, I mean, I know he wasn't the godfather of reggae, but he really kind of made it more to everybody's consciousness. I don't know when I first heard him, but um, he's, I've, you know, by far and away my favorite reggae artist. And I think his story is fascinating enough. And he's got he's got a big legacy that still goes on to this day. So, um, yeah, it's it's one that if I've got the time to do it, I definitely want to check it out. Probably not in the movies, but whenever it shows up on streaming or something, I'll, um, I think it's one that I want to I want to watch. Tony. I'm with Dave streaming. I'll have to check this out. I, I know the, a lot of the story of Bob Marley. I'm interested to see what they're going to focus more. So I kind of, you kind of can see what they're focusing on, but it's hard to tell. I think they're going to lapse a good period of time here. Um, Cause there's a couple things that you've seen that were a little bit um, time-wise, not so on top of each other, but his music is, his music is underrated to the fact that I think it has more, roots in almost everything that goes on than people think you know there's so many different genres of music that are affected by what bob marley did musically um i and en- i enjoy it and then obviously the political change that he brought forward and and all things of that nature but should be good um good watch yeah i'm, I'm very much looking forward to it true story i i really didn't know who bob marley was until i saw eddie murphy raw uh if you can really? believe it because yeah, because if you remember during uh, during that routine, he's talking about um, men and women cheating on each other, and his wife or the dude. He's doing this scenario where like he's like Dexter, your girlfriend's like Dexter I'm gonna Saint I'm gonna take Jacques, a trip. Right? Yeah. They, 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 Dexter St. Jock brings her to brings your girlfriend to his house. Got that Bob Marley music playing. He's like, and you know Bob be preaching, and he sings a little bit of uh, he sings a little bit of one love while. Uh, talking about how Dexter is fucking your woman. Well, well, well. So that uh, oddly enough is the first I was like, who the hell is Bob Marley? And, and did a little looking up. All right, let's we'll head just, into a we'll genre. Tony, right? 
Yeah, we'll just talk. We'll talk it over. Let's let's head into PC Tony's favorite film genre and get into horror as the prequel twin. Another thing that we cannot escape. We got another one, fellas. I don't know if it's necessary, but we we got a trailer for the first Omen. Now, I am a big fan of the Omen and the o- and Damien, the Omen two. The Omen three is is bad. It's just bad. Oh, the Samuel one. And, and it's bad because it just it seems like it was edited to no end and made it terrible. I'm I'm challenged by this prequel. Because the cast of people that they have hired or that they, that they have in this film is really, really good. Charles Dance, Bill Nye, Ralph Innocent, Nell Tiger Free, Sonia Braga, Alicia Bonacci. Just they got a lot of really good people signed on to do this film that is a prequel to the the famous Gregory Peck led story about the Thorn family about a young American I'm going to read this straight off of IMDb a young American woman is sent to Rome to begin a life of service to the church but encounters a darkness that causes her to question her faith and uncovers a terrifying conspiracy that hopes to bring about the birth of evil incarnate that's all the trailer the, the trailer looks compelling because 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 it's like it's a trailer and like you can make a trailer look it's got a hell of a cast it's got people who take roles that don't take roles for shitty movies and and so i don't trust it because it's an unnecessary prequel yet it's got i i don't know i don't know tony you're gonna see this in 3d tell me tell me where or no now you see it in that surround theater thing that's whatever that thing is called. 4x screen x 4x screen, screen x. x tony's gonna go see it in screen x, screen x. you're gonna see it no. in x video why tony, why, why? there's Go ahead, Patrick. What's the question you're going to ask but, me? But like, well, because we know this is a thoroughly unnecessary movie. So go ahead and talk about why it's going to make money. But like, what, what do you, it doesn't look bad for what it is. So, there's two movies on this, on this trailer park that have good followings and have significance in their genres. And I just don't have anything to do with, and this is one of them. And um, I wish that you guys would have a conversation about it as to me, not detracting because this is this is one of the horror um movies that has legs with different movies and has a good following is it not yeah the 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 omen is spawn off has has spawned multiple like spin-offs they've tried to retell it there's there's been there's an original version there's a remake with leaf schreiber in it it's made money right the original trilogy itself um is is a little more well-known at least to succinctly put together um dave you, you look squeamish over there. What's going on, buddy? No, I, I hated the remake. I, I didn't like it. All, but oh, the remake's not with Julia with Julia Stiles. Uh, I don't like it. Um, but the first, like, I agree with you, Pat. The first two, Damien and the second one, especially like, I mean, the first one has the most iconic beheading in movie history, right? I mean, I don't think that 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 may not be debatable. The glass. Tony's yeah. probably not seen it. Um, it's worth watching. It, it's it's yeah. <laughs> Um, and this it was a movie. I mean, it was a movie made in the wake of Poltergeist, right? So, like, or not Poltergeist, uh, The Exorcist. Exorcist so, yeah. The Exorcist. I think The Exorcist it, came first. It did, and, uh, and, if I recall. And the first Omen was kind of like the opposite side of that coin. And, and like you're saying, the second one where Damien actually discovers who he is and goes from just your average kid at a private boarding school or private military academy 
to embracing not just learning but embracing the fact that he's the antichrist um yeah i don't know this one like you're saying pat has a great cast i mean if this is this this to me has a almost rosemary's baby type of feel to it like this is how all the machinations were put into motion to birth the antichrist to this world everybody who because we saw it in the first two movies all the people in place to protect damien at all turns from the time he was a baby to his handlers when he's at the military academy to when he becomes a presidential candidate in the final conflict even though that like i agree with you it was all right but there were some definite problems there um so a lot of, a lot of holes in that story a lot, a lot of, of holes, holes in that story wow. yeah i just uh, you know <laughs> we go through all these years of the antichrist going from birth to where he is meanwhile christ shows up and he's there and it's that's that's it so but i think you know yeah I, i'm interested in it to see what kind of story they're telling because i feel like that's the, the idea is like how did we get to the point where satan births his child into the world how does how does all that happen it, it, i mean you would think in some ways oh he just does it but it's obviously more involved well, with that. born of a jackal that's Child's right. gonna be born of a jackal. So born of a jackal. You know, so. Whole 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 lot of messed up stuff there. And yeah. but at the same time, again, I'm just I'm looking at this cast. Uh, I'm looking at this idea, and I'm like, this could work. It, could. it also could just be a really well put together trailer. Yeah, I mean, like we both know this is right up there with the Exorcist as far as iconic 70s horrors mo- horror movies. I mean, you know, you're right. gonna look at top five easy it's, for this. Yeah, it's 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 easily up there. Uh from from that to a trailer that the little O'Dowd watched and enjoyed so much, he started dancing across the living room after it was over. We got our first look at the movie Abigail, the story of a child vampire who trains as a ballerina. And the story is so simple. Like, it's so simple. I love it. For those of you who haven't seen the trailer, go check it out because I do think it's worth checking out. You know, I laughed because I'd added it very late to like I, I'd added it late to the rundown. Like I almost didn't put it in. And then so late that Aesop later just shared it again in the chat. It didn't. That's what I mean. Aesop that. shared that's it. In the, well, he doesn't does, know. Though. That's what Aesop does. But <laughs> the, the story is, and again, this has got us, you know, this has got a strong cast in it, but uh, I mean, we kick off with Giancarlo Esposito. So right there, I'm like, okay, I'm in, but you, you see, at the beginning, you see like images of this girl at dance school learning, you know, learning ballet and doing all this wonderful stuff, uh, juxtaposed with these people who are tasked by Giancarlo Esposito with remaining in his house to look after this girl, Abigail, for 24 hours. Unbeknownst to them, they're being locked into the house with little Abigail because Abigail's a vampire who at one point lets us know that she, quote, likes to play with her food. Uh, the synopsis as it's written in IMDb is that it's a group of criminals uh, that kidnap the ballerina daughter of a powerful underworld figure. They retreat to an isolated mansion, unaware that they are locked inside with, quote, no normal little girl. Um, this movie looks like a hell of a lot of fun. Like, just... The, 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 it is clear that this that they are leaning into the ridiculousness of the premise. This child looks like she's having the time of her life as she dances around murdering people. I got to share the red box trailer, so it was it was uh, it was loaded with the, a lot of f bombs throughout that throughout that trailer. A lot of fucking vampires, motherfuck, fuck, 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 to the point where the little old dad was like, "Um, dude, why why are you letting me watch this?" 
I'm like, hey, you know, I said, yeah, you don't you don't swear, and you seem to know enough not to swear, so I'm just enjoying it. So it was just, um, I I might see this in theater, guys. I, I might pay the money to see this thing. Looks delightful. Looks way fun, and I don't care if if Tony's squeamish over it. I don't care if Dave's not going to go see it. I I I I can't wait. I'm actually sad because I really wanted Ray to be on the show because Ray does enjoy uh, horror to an extent. I really wanted to get his opinion on this. I really did. Uh, and it's just a shame he's not here to share. So, um, Tony went first last time. Dave. Yeah, this, uh, I, w- when you first put the trailer, I thought, did we get like a, a trailer for the Abigail series? On, on, and, I, and then I get into it and it's like, okay, what's going on here? And it quickly becomes apparent that these people have kidnapped the wrong kid. <laughs> and and like like you're saying, I had in a, in Watchmen, the movie, remember when Rorschach says, you guys think I, um, that I'm locked in here with you. No, you're locked in here with me. And that's kind of what this felt like. They think that they've got this under control until it is very clear quickly on that they are nowhere near in control. And the hunter becomes the hunted very quickly. And I love that kind of juxtaposition and just flipping everything on its fucking head that you, everything you think was going on. And you got to figure that Giancarlo Esposito's character just brought them there to feed her. That's kind of what I was thinking that he's working for the underworld. It seems like that's the deal. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, you guys are in control, but you're really not. Um, yeah, the the stuff where she's just dancing around in her ballerina outfit, and then you know one frame she's doing that. The next scene she's got fangs on, and it's like Salem's Lot meets uh, Lost Boys meets Twilight in reverse. So I don't know if I'll go see it in the theaters, but this trailer has definitely caught me by surprise, and I'm like, okay, this this is definitely going to be a good one. And I'm glad you shared it because I had no idea anything about this movie until I saw this. Tony, you're going to see this one in the X theater. This is the one not, you're going to go see. Square not in Stormex, any, Stormex. Not any theater, but my own home theater, possibly. It does look good. Um, the idea of what it was once you figured it out watching the trailer, I was like, you know, I'm not really even into this genre, but this this feels like a brand new idea. Like, have they ever had someone kidnap a youth girl vampire before and have to watch them for 24? I don't like. I I've enjoyed scenarios like this. Um, There's some haunted mansion movies where the people get invited to the mansion and they have to survive the night. Uh, I can't remember the names of them, but I, I I don't mind that so much because it's more of like a suspense and a thriller kind of thing. I think that the violence this here is almost playful. If you have the right um, uh, view vantage point and you can understand what's going on, that it's just supposed to be something fun. And it looks fun, and it's she's the reason dancing that, with a headless corpse. Yeah. Like she's I, dancing with a headless corpse. It's the hilarious. cast looks really good too. Um, I think they had me when the one like ninja kind of girl was watching her, and she asked her if she had kids, and she said yes, a son, and then she apologized to her about what was about to happen to her. You know, so yeah. it's like, oh boy, this you're not. This is not just a little girl. So. Theater, no, Patrick, but I await to hear what you and the little O'Dowd probably have to say about it, because I think I probably will one day watch it on streaming at home. I got to be honest. I don't I don't know that I can convince Mom O'Dowd that that this is this is where we find out what kind of loyalty and bond we have with our son. She just booked you for multiple Disney trips on 
unbeknownst to you, I think you've got some. I was drunk at the yeah, time. That's see? true. Cash that shit in. This is your money in the bank, how, baby. How so much a of a secret does the little doubt keep? Oh god, he's terrible. No, he's he's awful. No, like, he's, <laughs> no, no, no good. He can't he can't hold on to a secret for more than like five five minutes. He's 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 already in. All right, uh, our next trailer. Uh, I can't wait for this series to come back. Uh, I I am unashamedly. The, the Masters of the Universe He-Man fan of the bandwagon. Kevin Smith, uh, last uh, last year or the year before, had put out his uh, retelling of Masters of the Universe on Netflix uh, titled Masters of the Universe Revelation. The second part and the cliffhanger that was left of that series kicks off in late January, basically two weeks from, um, from, last, uh, from this past Friday. Uh, and we got our first look at Masters of the Universe Revolution, our first trailer. And boy, he's really digging into the well of Masters of the Universe lore. He's even got characters from the 80s movie starring Frank Langella and Dolph Lundgren in it. I loved Revelation. I, I loved that he made the series about all of the Masters of the Universe and not just the He-Man show. This one, of course, has He-Man much more front and center. It looks like it's going to center around a lot of Prince Adam uh, and the possibility of Prince Adam becoming King of Eternia, battling a new and improved, more powerful Mark Hamill-voiced Skeletor. William Shatner is doing a voice somewhere in here. Gwildor from the movies is in this thing. Like, Hordak shows up in this from She-Ra. I can't wait. I can't wait for this to come out. I'm very, very excited. It looks awesome. Also, love that they were uh, that Kevin Smith chose the song "You're the Best Around" yeah. from the Karate Kid playing during the trailer. I was like, okay, it, I, I like it. I like it. I'm in. Sign me up. Netflix. I'll binge watch the shit out of this starting January 25th. Tony, what were your thoughts of the Masters of the Universe trailer? I'm in. Um, I watched the cartoons as a kid. I had the action figures. I had Castle Grayskull. I had everything. Um, I think the the animation looks good. I trust Kevin Smith. Um, I like the um, the portrayal of Skeletor. Uh, I'm one of the people that really liked the movie with Dolph Lundgren. I was at the right age at the time. I oh, was a too. kid. Absolutely. So um, I'm interested to see what they're going to do. Like you said, it's interesting what kind of story they're telling. Um, but man, I just have very fond memories as a kid from, um, masters of the universe. Did, did you know that that movie has a post-credit scene? The, the masters of the universe. What is it? So in the masters of the universe movie I probably that, uh, that we loved after the credits roll, it brings up this bubbling, the bubbling lake that Skeletor was thrown into his head pops up and he says into the camera, I'll be back. And I remember as a kid being like, we're getting a sequel. We were never getting a sequel. I we think were, I remember we that. I think you're right. Uh, it was it was the second movie. And it was only the second movie I could remember having a post credit scene that stuck with me. The other being Ferris Bueller's Day Off. The movie's over. Go home. Shoo. No, no, stay, stay. The podcast is still going, guys. Stay. Dave. Um, it makes me want to watch the other, the earlier series that I didn't. It's really good. Watch Revelation. I, I it's I was really gonna, good. And, and it's Kevin Smith did it too. Yeah. And he doesn't make, he doesn't do anything wrong. It's, it's inevitable, isn't it? That we get a live action remake of Masters of the Universe and they, and, and done right. It's with in the, production. Oh, is it? Well, okay. I, I should say it's in production. I think it's, 
being shopped around. I out mean, there. there's there is a live action. Is they just need the budget to finish it, and and it, you know that, and I think it'll be a a major success. So, um, yeah, I I love the trailer. Um, I I like the um struggle that Adam has over. You know, if you're going to be king, you really can't be He-Man and trying to come to terms with, well, why would I get be given this power if I couldn't embrace it fully? That sort of thing. So, um, yeah, it does make me want to watch the previous series because there's so much Masters of the Universe out there. And yeah, the the movie, it's been so long since I even thought about watching it that, you know, listening to you guys like, eh, maybe I should give it another chance and watch Dolph just tear down people. So, I mean, you can't go wrong with that. If you do a remake of the live action version, who you have obviously the two most important roles to cast, correct? Like who plays He-Man, who plays Skeletor? I got an idea for He-Man. Well, this would be the forum to let us know. Zach Efron. Yeah, I was like Zach Efron. Uh, oh, God, is oh. everything is every superhero going to be short now? Cuz you never know on the movies. <laughs> said Henry Cavill, but I didn't. It feels like we just continue. He'll be stuck being typecast, but Hemsworth moving from Thor to He-Man would make sense. I mean, yeah, large, large like, jack blonde guy. Trade in your hammer for a sword, buddy. Keep the hair <laughs> and the muscle. Like, we'll God damn it, we'll I gotta get in shape happens. for this fucking thing, too? Isn't that what Momoa said? I'm not lifting weight unless they're paying me. <laughs> right. That's funny. Too. All right. Let's get to our last trailer. Uh, I, I'm assuming, Tony, this is the other one that you were talking about that is big in its genre, but just isn't your thing. Uh, as we got our first look at The Ones Who Live, which is the Walking Dead spinoff film mini series that tells us what happened to Rick and Michonne after The Walking Dead, after they departed The Walking Dead, sort of the OG series. Um, I'm torn on this one, Dave. I'm torn on this one because I, I didn't like the end of wa- The Walking Dead. It was just such a flat end to it all. And I like the characters of Rick and Michonne. I can't say that I, I don't like the look of this trailer, but kind of like Game of Thrones, I don't trust Walking Dead stuff anymore. And it makes it hard for me to really get behind it, you know, but you've got Rick who seemingly is working for some sort of, I don't know if it's a, it's like a government entity. It's definitely a military-esque entity that is quote, the largest military in the world. Uh, You have Michonne in the wilderness looking for him and, you know, we don't see them, the two of them together. We don't even see them really make eye contact, but um, it's hard because the walking dead, I, I saw the walking dead through to the end but it became a it, it became a slog. It was tedious to get through, and I did not care for it. I, I'm not at the end of it yet. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. But you know, I got obviously got to the part where where Rick uh, blows the bridge up and gets taken away with uh, who is it? Janice was that her name in the um, yeah in the helicopter? So you know he didn't die. And then I got to the point where Michonne finds the phone and she goes tells Judith, "Hey, I'm going north to look for your dad." And that's the last you see of her kind of sort of thing. So um, from the standpoint of like the like you're saying, the OG Walking Dead series, I mean, these are two of the pillars of, you know, and this is where the series diverted from the comics and it's Rick and Michonne instead of Rick and Andrea. And um, yeah, so 
I know they were going to turn these into movies and then that got switched from the pandemic into this series. And yeah, I'm, I'm interested in this one probably more than, you know, Dead City or, or the Daryl spinoff, which I've heard are really, really good. Uh, and I want to check those out as well. But yeah, Andrew Lincoln, where has he been? Why? And, and it's clear from the trailer that he's tried to get free and has failed. And you see the one girl who he's talking to saying, thank you, Grimes. He's like, for what? For letting me know I can't, you can't escape, you know? So he's a reluctant prisoner and he's reluctantly working for this giant military. Michonne's tracking down. I imagine we will not get any reconciliation or, 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 or uh, reuniting of them until the last episode. I think that's if then. So yeah, I'm with you, Pat. I mean, Walking Dead near the end was, was treading water in some places, so other places it was good, but as far as the spinoff series, this one I'm probably most interested in because I love the characters so much. And I want to see what happened to Rick. Maybe. Uh, I'll have to take it on your word. If you if you rave about it, maybe I'll jump back in. I'm sure it'll show up on Max for five minutes before it gets sold off to the to the highest bidder. So we'll we'll have to see what happens there. Uh, Tony, anything plus. to add? Or... Right. I have a question. You brought something different up briefly. Uh, bring this up. You, you, did you not like house of the dragon is that why you mentioned game of thrones i refuse i refuse to watch house of the dragon because did you i did you like game of thrones to a point and then it lost me and i, I and tell, i and to i think a I've point to where this, i didn't want to go back I'll, i can tell you and i've said this before i was trepidatious about starting it and it was absolutely excellent mm-hmm. and has nothing to do with what you disliked about game of thrones I would okay, se- I don't I care about the prequel that. of how they got to their. I don't care about this story. You're not going to get me to watch it. Like I don't. No, no, no. Watch it. I, I, I just telling you. It's so people that are no, listening sure. can say that there is many a viewpoint of people who have actually watched it. That oh yeah, that it's better. I don't know that no it's doubt. better, There's but I can tell you it's really, really fucking good. And if I watched the other part of it, I think I'd want to watch this too. And if I can, because I haven't finished Walking Dead. But I ha- did watch House of Dragons, and so I'm going through Walking Dead, and I'm way like deep in season six, so I'm getting to the disappointment part. They make references to things that you do see in House of the Dragon, and it's it's sprinkled here and there, but they talk about uh, Prince Aemon or something like that, which is all fleshed out in the prequel. So, yeah, sure. I mean, it's it's I, I agree with you. Uh, it's a great uh, show. I, I will say this one more time for everyone in the back. I, I'm fine, and, and I'm happy that other people have have found house of the dragon and love it very much it's gotten a second season that doesn't happen by accident i don't care i want to see what's i west just of, i don't care like what's west of westeros oh, i do too nothing wrong with Arya and dad ass either that's creepy considering she was a child when that thing started and i still yeah. oh not when, we, not, not, when that. Dead, not when we seen dead ass all right uh we're gonna move on now because that's just wrong I uh, and we're, we're going to head into our uh, second commercial break. When when I come back, um, I will have recovered from my coughing fit. And maybe Tony will still be on the show. I just a little fucked up. Uh, but we're going to talk a little new, 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 uh, news around the nerdosphere. You've been listening. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, part of the ChairShot.com. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. 
Seriously, I gotta know what's what is wrong with you? Like, like what? We've just, who who hurt you, Pat? We just uh, welcome back. By the we way, recorded everyone, the swaggy. So Tony's Tony's bringing attitude of aggression into bandwagon nerds here. I can see this. Uh, let me let me reintroduce the show though. Uh, welcome back into bandwagon nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network uh, on the Chairshot.com. This is just like that whole commercial break. I, I'm just like we are we are messed up dudes. And I say this as I did once on this show talk about the young woman who pay, played the youngest child in the nanny and how hot she has grown to be uh, in Californication. However, I'm also about the same age as her. Paul, really a pot and kettle show for you today, isn't it, Patrick? <laughs> Not really. Because let's let's real quick, let's play the birthday game. Maisie Williams. 26. She, game of Thrones at 2019. She was 18 in 2015. Keep moving. 2015. What year were you born? 1997. I was born in 1981. Mm. Okay. Anyway. Last season of Game let's of Thrones. Let's go. Let's move, let's move into 20. some casting announcements. Last of Us season one has come and gone to much success on HBO. I don't I don't think anybody who's watched that show, I don't know that there's been very many people who have had a bad thing to say about it. There's a lot of anticipation and excitement for season two. And this past week, we got two major casting announcements for season two. As first, it was announced that Caitlin Dever um, is joining the cast uh, to play. And I'm going to forget the name of the character. Um, do you remember the name of the character? Gina? Or... Dina. Something like that. No, 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 no. You're thinking. So I haven't. That's Isabella Merced. Oh, okay. Isabella oh. Merced is going to be um, playing Dina, who is oh. the part is the partner for um, Bella <laughs> Ramsey's character. Yeah. Ellie. Um, yeah. It's um, Caitlin Deaver. Let's just click on this link real quick. and see. Abby. Caitlin Deaver is playing Abby. Abby is the one who um, is the, the primary antagonist to Ellie and Last of Us 2. Dave, have you played the game, by the way, the, the sequel? Second one, no, I haven't. So, like, yeah, I don't know who these people are. I imagine they're going to follow the game pretty closely. Um, I mean, I know the big I know the big spoiler from the sequel. I do that, not. Uh, I do not. Really? Really. Holy, oh, I can't spoil that then. Thank you. But if you want to spoil Last of Us Season 2 for Dave, uh, you can always tweet him at Attitude Ag yeah. and let him know Thanks. exactly what happens. I won't be the Jeez. one to do it, but if you want to Dude, spoil it, DP's gonna, DP will do it just to fuck with me. Attitude Ag. <laughs> but, um, all right, so a couple of young up-and-coming actresses. Deaver was on is on the show Beef, which I've heard nothing but good things about, by the way. Um, that's another series I think I really need to check out because um, – that one, and again, that also has Stephen Yen. He won a he won a Golden Globe for his role in that. But um, I don't know. She's been in a lot of stuff. Uh, what do we think about these these castings? Um, Dinah is described as a freewheeling spirit whose devotion to Ellie will be tested by the brutality of the world they inhabit. There is a little bit of controversy surrounding the casting, as the character in the uh, video game apparently is. It, 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 while not overtly said, is very clearly uh, Jewish. And this woman neither looks nor is Jewish. So take that for what that's worth as to whether or not that matters. Um, I don't know that it does or not, but you, you never know. Isabella Merced? Sturds. You're saying she doesn't look Jewish? Get away According with the picture, it. Yeah. Get away with it. As or she doesn't look like the character. character. Sorry. 
Sorry, and I got the I got the casting wrong. So young Mazzano, uh, young Mazzino as Jesse, he was in beef, not uh, not Caitlin Beaver um, or Dever. Last of Us cleaned up at the Globes, did lots of nominations and all sorts of stuff going on. So critically acclaimed, popular, did very well at the nerdies amongst us. Um, I don't know enough about the characters because I never got to volume two to have any sort of like uh, opinion on them, but they've got decent, decent resumes. Um, So, you know, I mean, it just, it depends on how they interact with Bella Ramsey, who seems like she could probably interact with a broomstick and get away with it being really well done. So let's go. Let's just get to season two. I mean, that's, that's really all I care about. Let's get to season two. I, I, I will say this. I'm extraordinarily interested. Like these young actors that they're casting now are people who really carry the the sec- like who really carried the sequel in, in terms of the game itself. Uh, and again, I've never played the game, but I I read the story of the game and just kind of trying to get an idea of what to expect. So I'm very very interested to see how true to the second game and the source material they keep this series do they keep it as close to the game as they did for season one because if they did i can't wait to be on this show when dave watches it i can't i have heard nothing to suggest they are going to deviate from that so it served them well in season one so maybe i know these people like to dabble and fuck around with things but sometimes sticking to the source material is in everybody's best interest. And although I've not played this, I've heard certain things about it. And I'm like, that sounds fun to me. Tony, you really need to watch it. I know you don't like zombies. I know you don't like that. I really I think. Tr- I, I tried. Really? Yeah. I did. I got to the, the first the first episode, barely got into it. When the, when the dog was about to die, I was like, ah, I'm good. I didn't really. I was like, I thought, I thought to myself, I really didn't want to watch this in the first place. <laughs> It's not my jam. I know it's really good. I know you guys love it, and I'm happy for you. That's why I didn't interrupt. All right. Well, let's get into something that we know Tony loves, that Dave loves, we all love. Let's talk some Star Wars, because there's a bunch of stuff that is just, that there's some actual news, there's some speculative news, and maybe we can have a little fun with the speculative news, as much as it terrifies me as the speculative speculation that happened in the uh, Bandwagon Nerds uh, DM conversation was horrifying. Um, but we did get official word that there will be no new seasons of the Mandalorian, but not because it's canceled. We're heading to the big screen. Officially official. It was announced the Mandalorian film, Man, uh, the Mandalorian and Grogu. I hope that's not the title. Um, I, I just, I, I don't love that title. Like if it is, it is what it is. It's fine. But it will be coming to the big screen, directed by John Favreau. And um, let's start with this. We've known this as a series for three and a half seasons, uh, if you count the Book of Boba Fett, which is basically season two and a half. Our thoughts. I'm not yelling at a cloud. I'm speaking fact. Speaking fact. How do we feel about this transition from Disney Plus streaming series to a full-length feature film? And... Or does it even matter? Do we care? I mean, we're we're gonna go see it. As Tony says, it's all Star Wars. We're gonna go see it. But um, what do you, I guess we'll start with this? What do you think can be done on the big screen that'll be different from what they do in a series? I Tony, go ahead. Nothing. Um, probably you could blend <laughs> it. 
you you can play more into uh, visual landscapes and the possibility of screen X or the sound. The sound you can really you know play into that to kind of in in uh, enhance the the movie going experience. But I look at it this way. I think there's a lot worse Star Wars stories that we could be forced to go watch in the movie theater because, like you said, we're probably going to go see the movie in the movie theater if it's a Star Wars movie. Uh, so I'm okay. Uh, if they're all done telling this story and that's how they want to end it, and maybe these characters show up in other things down the road, great. I just hope it's really, really, I, I just hope it's as good as, as the series. I'm okay with it. Okay, what do you think? Um, I think the movie will force them to tell a tighter story. Uh, you know, you don't have as much room to play around with. You're going to have two, two and a half, three hours at most to tell it. To me, I, I'm more interested that, you know, uh, Favreau's being the director. And I thought, you know, well, this is going to be part of the Filoni whole storyline. Um, so it's like, okay, Dave's not going to do this. They're going to have Favreau, which is an excellent pick if Filoni's busy doing Ahsoka season, which I know we're going to get to in a minute, but doing Ahsoka and the movie that's going to tie all this stuff together. So, yeah, diversify with people you trust. Favreau's a tremendous choice for that. He's been in charge of the Mandal. If you're going to do a Mandalorian movie, have the guy who's been responsible for the series do the whole, do the movie as well. So I don't know what they can tell that wasn't in the first three seasons, but I know it's going to be tighter. It's going to be focused. And I think it's going to go straight towards wherever we're going with Filoni's stuff. Do you want to see callbacks from the series, like different people helping him, friends from the past, or do you not want to have any of that stuff? Because I think, you know, definitely who played like the sheriff guy? Um, Tim Oliphant. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be cool to have him back. It'd be cool to have the Mandalorians or not the man, the, the, the new age Mandalorians back, right? Like um, Sasha Banks and then uh, Bo-Katan and Bo-Katano, right? And, and things like that. So, yeah, I, I, can't see how they don't have some callbacks in there. I think we're going to we're going to get like a Deadpool situation where we get some Twitter photos of people who have seen folks on set. Um I you know, maybe we don't get Ahsoka, maybe we don't get uh who knows who we get, but like I think you I think you can't tell Mando's story without having some of those characters pop back up. Guaranteed we get his mechanic aka Grogu's um mom figure. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love that character. Yeah. I, yeah, I think, you know, you've got basically with this whole Filoni thing, you've got Mando's story and you got Ahsoka's story and they're going to be kind of, you know, Ahsoka's going to, well, I mean, we'll just table that because I know you're going to jump into that. I, well, you're, you're going to table it, but I'll, I'll go ahead and jump in. So the other thing we did learn is that Ahsoka season two is a go. It's going to happen. Um, I don't think anybody was particularly surprised by that. The show was solid. Uh, was it the best Star Wars series I've seen? No, but was it bad? No, it was good. I enjoyed it. I like the characters. I have familiarity there. Uh, and there was a story to tell. Uh, I don't know how much they do intertwine, though, Dave, because their their stories are kind of over, you know, right. a little far apart, no, especially with Ahsoka being in like a whole other dimension yeah. slash galaxy. That's right. kind of interesting, but. I think I think they're they're going to intertwine at the end. Filoni's going to bring them together, but they're going to be telling these parallel stories. You know, you got you got stuff to solve. You got things to figure out. How and how do Ahsoka and um, Sabine get out of this distant dimension? How do they get back without the the Force whales and that sort of thing? Um, yeah, ah- Ahsoka season two not a surprise. How they're going to handle the Ray Stevenson thing? That's what I'm most interested in because Balin's story isn't done. I don't think you just you know right. 
so you know i don't think you just avoid it completely you got to say something about it um shin hati you know she's got to be involved in it as well so yeah and, and i like the plan because you know you've had three seasons of mandalorian so you're at the place where you can say let's make a movie we don't need a whole nother season to tell the story ahsoka's a little different you know you've got a lot more stuff to tell that probably isn't very amenable to a two two and a half hour movie let's do a second season i i agree with you i don't think they will intertwine until the very end and that will lead right into whatever Filoni's doing would you be okay if they went away from Balin's story because of the death and kind of changed the story a little bit into like Shin took over or something or do you want to see recast do you want to just see his part being played away from the screen but in the story this is where if I can Pat before you jump in this is where I think CGI and AI might be a big factor because you could bring his story to an end fairly quickly and turn him into a force ghost or something and not have to worry about it so much with with cgi with ai that sort of thing so assuming somebody who was supposed to sign off on something like that would right i i honestly i think you recast the character and continue this the story because he was clearly out searching for something and he was a compelling character before ray stevens brought him onto the screen like you gotta understand that character existed in animated form throughout he had a following so it's and it wasn't like the guy who voiced the character was then playing the character and i know we loved his performance i think you know we talked we, we brought i brought up his name earlier we we're talking about the omen obviously i still think it should be leaf schreiber like if if they're in, if he's interested in it i would approach him because i think he one he kind of looks like him and two i think he can keep it going tony george clooney I mean, is he going to go to a casino? I mean, they do have casinos, I guess. And is he going to rob a bank? Is he going to be I don't know. Maybe Clooney? I, I don't know. I, I struggle to see it. I struggle to see it with Clooney. I'll just, how's that? How's that? He's not big enough. I mean, no, not oh, you that mean way, built. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Dude, you know, you know why? If, if, it's, if it's Henry Cavill. Not, that's what it is. He wants like, Henry Cavill. The fucking Carrie Von, the Von Eric brothers, then I think we can get away with anybody. <laughs> But I, like I don't Leaf, know. Leaf we'll, we'll have to see what, what happens. I don't mind that. Yeah. I, I, again, we'll just, we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to find out. The other, so, okay. So the other story, and I'll say story, because I went to try and find, I went to try and find an article or something that sourced this better than, than the source that was in front of us, which was a, an X tweet from a dude called the Hollywood Handle who said, oh, sorry, via Daniel RPK, whoever the fuck that is. Also, not that. Daniel Richtman, who, in quotes, is a Twitter, yeah, a Twitter influencer and writer, CNBC, contact business slash inquiries, like, whatever, um, put out there that a what-if version of Star Wars is reportedly in the works at Disney. And, of course, we, we had all kinds of fun with it within our own chat. It took It took us all of... Well, it took <laughs> Ray. It took Ray all of let's see an hour and a half to make an incest joke about Luke and Leia, uh, and then it was kind of all downhill from there. I did not like where this conversation was going, but you know, it got better, it got better yes. once I got in there. <laughs> yes, totally. It was all you. You made it better. Um, what if Anakin learned to control his anger while under Obi Wan's tutelage? What if Leia actually used the Force in the OG trilogy? What if Red Five missed? Yes, I, like, I do think that yeah. there are there are interesting possibilities with what if. Um, 
my question is, is, uh, is how many of those lead to, you know, the empire winning? Cool. Awesome. Like, a, I don't know. I don't know. Cartoon. The little I, O'Dowd would love that. The little O'Dowd would be like, yes, stormtroopers like, forever. Honestly though, like as, as guilty pleasure as this is, this, this, we need this. If we're going to get this, they'd be dumb not to do this in the exact same way that Marvel did it. Give us the voices that go with the animation and just let it be what it is. The stories don't have to continue. They can be half hour long and you can use your imagination of what if that happened, what would it be like? But I think there's way too many cool things. There's easily three to four seasons here. Dave, go ahead. I don't, your turn. I don't want a multiverse for Star Wars. We talked about this earlier, the multiversal trope. And I get it for Marvel and I get it for DC. I even get it for Image, but I don't want that for Star Wars. That's that's to me, it's a linear universe. Yes, I understand there's fertile ground and things you could do. You know, I mean, what if R2-D2 was really the most powerful being in the Star Wars universe? I mean, what if, what if John Wick's dog was on Alderaan? <laughs> Stuff like that. Uh, no, I, I agree. There's a lot of fertile ground that you can do with this and a lot of really cool stories to tell. I just don't think I want to see it done because it just, it doesn't feel like, it doesn't feel like something that's multiversal. Um, that's just me. Does it have to be though? Why does it have to be? Can't it just explore what could have been if something else happened? It just seems it like the premise of what if is separate. The foundation of what if is multiversal. I mean, Pat can correct me if he thinks I'm wrong, but to me, it just feels like what if is premised on a multiverse. This doesn't have to be premised on a multiverse to work, though. This could just take a scenario that could have went in a couple different ways and explore a different way and say, now we're done with it. This is just a series where we explore those things. It's not really what happened. Sorry, Patrick. You look like you're ready to go. Well, the what if comic from Marvel's was originally just that. It was a speculation. It wasn't even an alternative universe. Like, Owatu wasn't standing there being like, all of these universes in here, this is happen it would be a comic that would be like what if uh ben Grimm became the human torch and johnny storm became the thing and then it would tell this story of how like the origin story was a little bit different interestingly enough it always sort of wrapped itself up in the same spot that the original comic always wrapped itself up uh, for me the marvel comic exiles is a little bit more of sort of the is the is the multiversal what if sort of scenario because in every one of those issues this group of uh, of superheroes would go to a, a different reality where something out of the timeline happened and led things to be askew and go in a different direction i don't know i like the concept i think it could be fun i i err on the side of just it's it's so disney right to be like, well, this works great here. Let's mass produce it, mass market it, and and make it over here. And I don't know if that's just the right way to go about it. Uh, because that's how fatigue happens. That's how people roll their eyes at a thing when it happens. So that's the, and that's the thing is Marvel What If. Part of this is also just, I get it. The success of Marvel's What If makes it very tempting to then do it with other property. Because... All three, all three of us have watched What If, right? The full season of What If, and season I one, got a two. couple episodes left. Got the last two left, I think. But they're great, right? We love. Them. Absolutely. They all, Absolutely. they were all very good. Some of them were excellent. Right. Like, I thought so, Gold Bloom's one was the best one they've done yet. Right. So when you have that, 
that that of course makes you know business types and and decision makers want to dive in and and mass produce it and do it with other things. I'm not saying you can't be good. You uh, do I'm just all maybe I'm cautious. You do have all the qualifying factors though in Star Wars that you would need to do this in another place. What if Luke actually went to Tashi Station and got those power converters? Who knows? <laughs> Don't you want to though? Don't you want I know. To? I don't think that one was going to make a big deal. <laughs> cool. All right. Before we go into what you watch, and I'm going to throw one last story because we got a lot of extra time here, and this is a good one. So this past week, we had the uh, Governor's Awards, which is hosted by the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. And this is one of those award. It's well, part of the awards. We'll see footage at the actual Oscar ceremony later on in March, uh, late February, early March. But two notable names in Hollywood were awarded Lifetime Achievement Oscars. Uh, One was the beloved director, producer, actor, comedian extraordinaire Mel Brooks at the bright young age of 97. The other was Angela Bassett, who also won an honorary Oscar. Uh, and, you know, for those of us in the nerdosphere, we probably think of her first as Queen Ramonda uh, in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which, by the way, she fucking carries that movie for a good portion of the film. And Angela Bassett is one of, is just one of the great actors of all time. And the thing that blows my mind about her, that woman does not look like she's in her 60s. That woman looks amazing. She's a fucking amazing actor. And she continues to be awesome and both of them like in their acceptance speeches and their thank you speeches you know angela bassett talked a lot about the people that came around before her that helped pave the way for for actors like her to be in films she paid tribute to hattie mcdaniel uh who many people know uh as uh she won uh she was the first black woman to win an oscar for gone with the wind uh whoopi goldberg people like that uh, and then Mel Brooks, I think everybody around this panel has a Mel Brooks film or moment or line that they love that that man produced. And so I just felt it was worth bringing up and acknowledging I, I for for Angela Bassett. I, I would have to say my favorite my favorite role with her in it is actually has been Queen Ramonda from from Black Panther. But um, I'll turn it over to the two of you uh, if you have favorites for Angela Bassett. And what is your favorite Mel Brooks anything? Uh, go ahead. Spaceballs is my favorite Mel Brooks anything. Um, I just love him actually in the movie. Um, he, It's funny. I never thought You never thought you'd hear this, but much like Bob Marley has a significant um, uh, roots in what's going on today, so does Mel Brooks in his genre of comedy and movie making and things of that nature. He's brilliant. Um, Angela Bassett, you talk about someone who killed the nineties. Uh, what's love got to do with it? Um, how Stella got her groove back. What, what else was she in? Uh, waiting to exhale uh, vampire in Brooklyn. These are all just in the nineties. Yeah. I, maybe not the greatest movie ever, but a cult classic. Um, then in the two thousands meet the Browns and then now, you know, black Panther. So two icons, very well deserving with just amazing bodies of work and just had a great effect on those around them as well. Um, 
Yeah, with Angela Bassett, I mean, I, I echo everything Tony said and everything you said, Pat, with the Queen Ramonda. Yeah, she's kind of like the uh, the mother of the uh, present day MCU, sort of, you know, because all the other mother figures, you know, Frigga was was killed. And, you know, so she's gone. And really, you look at the Aunt May's gone and who's still let. Well, actually, she she's gone, too. Is She died in, in Wakanda forever. So nobody's she, left. She did die in Wakanda forever. We have no mothers left. I mean, that's depressing. Um. But Mel Brooks, I'm much more versed with him, and and I grew up with Mel Brooks, and you know, Blazing Saddles to this day is still my favorite Mel Brooks movie, and and I and I still love the people who come to me and say, God, that movie's so racist. I'm like, you're a moron. You don't understand that it's satirical. It, it's it's making fun of little brain people like yourself, and it, it's not. It, it's so yeah, I mean, people who say that that. Blazing Saddles was racist. Really didn't pay attention no, to Blazing Saddles they really at didn't. all. They really didn't. It's like because there's like there's that scene where Gene Wilder is standing behind uh what's his name? I can't remember who plays um the sheriff. Oh, but he's, Cle- he's like, yeah, he's like you know you got to remember these people are from a small town. They're not around thing like and he just keeps going on. He's like you know morons. Right. Like. It's all it's all about racism and how stupid it is. And and a Jewish man. Right. You know, writing these stories. My absolute favorite Mel Brooks film of all time is Young Frankenstein. That's uh, a very I, close number. Two. I I love watching Young Frankenstein. Uh, it kills me every time when uh, when when he's like, you know, my name is Frederick. It's Frankenstein. Are you putting me off? Do you also pronounce it Frederick? No, I pronounce it Frederick. I mean, you don't pronounce it Frederick Frankenstein. He's like, no, I pronounce it Frederick Frankenstein. Like, and, and just stuff. You Werewolf. Be, you must be Igor. Igor. No, it's pronounced Igor. No, it's pronounced Igor. Oh, they told me it was pronounced Igor. Well, they were wrong then, weren't they? That's right. It's, it's just, it's great. It's quotable. You know, Spaceballs. I was a kid when, when Spaceballs came out and Pizza the Hut uh, forever. You know, you're delicious. Um, and then you learn he ate himself to death. Is, uh. And history of the world. And to bring this one. full and and real quick, just to bring this full circle to the latest bandwagon nerds polls. And now the review of Rocky Five Thousand. <laughs> they thought they were gonna be making Rocky movies forever, and then they did. They did. Um, so it's just it's great. And I, I there are years where you see names that pop up for these honorary Oscars, and it's like, oh, that's nice, that's great. These are two like you sit there, you hear these two names, and you're like, wait a minute, did they ever win Oscars? Mel Brooks did. He won one for Best Original Screenplay. Um, but generally, that's what these Lifetime Achievement Oscars are. They're two people who have never, who who have probably deserved one and never gotten one. And so, you know, kudos deserve to go to both of them. And I'm glad Mel Brooks, in particular, at 97 years old, was honored even if it was so late, you know, so late in the game. And the same for Angela Bassett. Like, you know, she's been, you know, she's been around forever. Like I said, she's in her 60s, but like, my goodness. Uh, you would think she would have had Oscar after Oscar in her career. So, anyway. Um, all right, fellas, we're going to move to the end of the program. And to do that, I'm going to ask around to, to you all, uh, what you watching? Actually, you know what? I lied. I'm going to go first. I'm not going to ask you. I'm going to go first today because I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you a story about about Disney Plus and the Internet. So I am still four episodes in to Echo and have not seen the last episode of Echo. Because when I woke up on Saturday morning, 
and fired up Disney Plus to watch Echo. It gave me an error error code, error code number 73, which they says this usually means you're trying to watch Disney Plus in an area that's out of our region. And I'm like, that's funny because I watched Disney Plus in your region just the night before. But I watched Echo up to episode four. That's strange. Okay, maybe it just needs to be a reboot. So I turn off the television because I streamed it through my through my TV. Rebooted everything, started it all over. Clicked it. Same message. Huh. Maybe I need to reset my router. Reset my router. Hit it. Same message. Maybe I need to completely shut down my router and start it up again. I unplug it. I plug it back in. Same message. Maybe it's not reading through my television. So I open up my laptop and I fire up Disney Plus. And I don't even get the message. I just get the little spinning wheel on Google Plus or uh, on Google telling me let's try to load this shit and it will load it. So I think maybe it's something I'm doing wrong. So I go to the Mrs. O'Dowd. Mrs. O'Dowd, can you get on to Disney Plus? No. So I have now gone 24 hours and counting without access to Disney Plus. Before that, I did see the first four episodes of Echo. Love it. Watch it. Think it's totally worth the time to check out. I've thoroughly enjoyed the series. Uh, it, It does a great job telling a tale that does not require you to be 100,000 bajillion percent into thank you tony i can see that you can access disney plus and do I you can. want to watch it right now on my phone no thank you i'm good okay i can um, put this like over here you could you know no okay yeah no right. i'll fi- i'll figure out my routers because that's the other thing it was like maybe it's maybe i can't so then i tried other streaming services uh, everything works except for disney plus like something disney plus is seeing in my router and in the okay. internet, it's got to be an IP address thing or something like that. Have you deleted the app and re-downloaded the, the app? And that's the next back? step. That will work. But the, thing that's, but the thing is, if that would work, why did it not work on any other device? Like, we've tried this on every device via the website. Uh, the, the wife downloaded the app on her phone, on her, her iPhone, and she could run it when she was on data but not when on our Wi-Fi. So it is clearly something that Has Disney does not Disney Plus does not like about our Wi-Fi. Have you tried to watch other things on Disney Plus? I can't even get Disney Plus to open. It oh. won't let me in. Like I can't watch a different show because we've been watching Percy Jackson as well, like with the little O'Down. So like there, I can't get in, and I don't know why I can't get in. I'm trying to figure it out. Um, so, right. but doing some doing some thorough Reddit research, it seems to be something that, like, it doesn't like the IP address that that um, my router is using or something like that. See, the I first first thing that happens when old Steamboat Willie gets let out into freedom. I guess so. But anyway, what that did lead me to doing is watching two of the worst movies I've seen in the last year. As oh yeah, as I jumped on uh, Peacock and checked out Jurassic World Dominion. Then I jumped onto Netflix and I watched Rebel Moon. Why didn't you watch one of that, the two movies I just told you to watch? Because I chose to watch Jurassic World Dominion <sighs> and I chose to watch Zack Snyder's latest burning pile of shit in a bag known okay. as Rebel Moon. You could plan get get the little O'Dowd to find a place to go do a sleepover with a friend or family, like a cousin or something. And you and the Mrs. O'Dowd watch Saltburn, and you can just thank me the next day. So let me tell you, <laughs> DJ, 
DJ, I know you're out there. I know you're not going to listen to this episode, but I'm going to pretend like you're going to listen to this episode. Mm-hmm. I here. don't understand why you like Zack Snyder. I don't get it. And here's the thing is I, I finally thought I, I finally got it in my head. What it is really that bugs me so much about this dude's shitty ass filmmaking style. And it is because he is the same type of dude who makes Book of Boba Fett. He is a seventh grader and he thinks he, he's this dude who sits there and he's like, you know, Oh, it would be so cool. Ah, this this really like it's not Star Wars, but it's kind of like Star Wars. Like this is an evil empire group, but it's ruled by like a king who gets assassinated, and the king is dead, and then somebody else takes over, and they're like really oppressive on the people, man. And there's like this hot general chick who's like she learned the errors and how horrible it is. She goes into hiding, but they come out and find her, and she kicks ass all over the place. And then she just like, I got to go and I got to fight this. I got to find a group of people. And so just, she goes to plan to plan. She finds all these badasses to just kick the shit out of everyone. And they're going to go take on this rebellion. But they get betrayed, man. And then when they get betrayed, they get like, to do this other fighting thing. And he's going to fight. And she fights the big boss guy. And she kicks him. She throws Damn. him off of a building. But you know what? He's not dead, you guys. He's not dead. He comes he's, back. He's, and he's ready or more into part one, and we're gonna have like seven other parts. It's gonna be fucking boss, man. We're just gonna see fights. It'll be in slow motion. It'll be like cool explosions. Explosions. Dave. Dave. Explosions. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? It does. I mean, he's it's fucking <laughs> terrible. You are so it's you are so close, Pat, to going from rant to retainer boy in the same. Uh, in- one, I knew there. it was coming. I could feel it. I could feel I could it feel too. It. And he just he never went all the he never went all the way there. But you were Somebody right up to send this to Zack Snyder. Zach, so let me let me let me let me just put let me just put a couple bows. Let me just put a couple bows on this whole conversation though. Like here's it, it was really like I said there, I'd heard like a lot of the critiques, right? Um I am impressed by Zack Snyder's ability to make a movie where a bunch of shit happens. Yet nothing happens. It was like the most action-packed, tedious film I've I've ever seen. It, it, with this story of this like woman who is on the run, she's wanted by this evil kingdom, and she has decided, in an effort to protect the farming community that she's been hiding in, she is going to go recruit generals and rebel leaders and all this stuff to fight this this uh, this kingdom and. It literally is just two hours of like hop to a planet, get into a, a slow motion fight where a character gets to kick all kinds of ass, and then they just move on to the next character. Like they they all seem to have a story, but you don't know what it is. And then yeah, I don't care if I spoil this. If you plan to see Dave, did you watch this? I, I haven't seen it. I, I was planning on. Watching. Don't don't you're you're okay. you will be dumber for having watched it. Uh, but anyway. The, the the one of the things that this character is looking for is like these two um this brother and sister who are like leaders of the 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 rebellion against this kingdom and i mean you know brother and sister who lead a rebellion i've never seen that before anywhere I have no idea what you're um, talking about um, but anyway one of the one of the characters who we like meet towards the end of the movie who's one and a half of this brother sister duo like he dies in, in like the climactic battle and it's supposed to be this like big emotionally weighty moment like he dies in slow motion because it's all Zack Snyder doesn't do 
um, you know, doing this big heroic thing, and nobody, I, you just don't give a shit about the guy because you just met the dude and he's done nothing except stoically say, "Too many systems have died for us that we haven't stood up for," and he gets shot in the face, and it's like this is dumb. He actually gets shot like just below the face. Sorry, this is dumb. And then Jurassic World Dominion. Um, uh, first of all, it, that movie's over two hours long, and it's like, good Christ, let's let's talk about tedious again. But the the ultimate set off moment for me with Jurassic World Dominion, and the little O'Dowd watched this with me, and the two of us just like are pointing at the screen and laughing as they show animals in nature coexisting with dinosaurs, like horses running in the open plains with dinosaurs, a rhinoceros march, or a, yeah, or an elephant walking side by side with the triceratops in the African savanna. And uh, uh, and the one that really got us, these pterodactyls take off into the sky, followed by a flock of mallards, a bunch of ducks. It's just the dumbest, like, yeah. cheesiest, stupidest thing ever. And they, you know, kudos to Jeff Goldblum, Sam Neill, Laura Dern, Chris Platt, Bryce Dallas Howard, Chris Platt going out Platt there. Was in it? Platt or Chris Pratt, not Platt. Pratt, Platt would have made it better. Um, Platt would have made it enjoyable. Platt. Yeah, for collecting a fucking paycheck to make this really shitty movie. It's <laughs> Chris. Chris Platt would have like these melon farmers expect me to believe the mallards are following them pterodactyls. <laughs> exactly. It's so bad. So anyway, that's what I've been watching. Uh, I hand it over to uh, PC Tony. What have you been watching, Michael? Uh, there's a new game show out hosted by Rob Lowe, and it's an interesting new concept. It's called The Floor, where it's a 9 by 9 floor broken down into squares. So there's 81 people it started with, and they do head-to-head battles, where a randomizer will pick a square, and that person would be able to challenge someone that is adjacent to them. Um, and what you do when you challenge someone, you have to go head-to-head against them in their category. So say it's cars, you'd go up, and there'd be a screen, and you'd go back and forth, You'd each have 45 seconds to when it's your turn, your time starts running. You'd have to guess the logos or the certain car and you accumulate squares. And each night, whoever has the most squares wins $20,000. They eliminate seven or eight people a night. They're going to go on to week three this week. Uh, It's Tuesday night on Fox. It's hosted by Rob Lowe and it's been really fun. Uh, and, And I've talked to a lot of people that enjoy trivia. They'd have a good time with it too. It's a new concept. It's really interesting and not ultra difficult questioning like Jeopardy, but there's no wheel or anything like Wheel of Fortune or, um, you know, press your luck. So it's more intellectual head to head based stuff. And it's been a really good time. That and the Emmys is on this week, guys. So check that out as well. Oh, hey, what you watching? Oh. For me, I, I, at the very last episode of Wheel of Time season two and, and episode seven took an interesting turn. So, I'm doing that. You know, I, I've been kind of messing around with it just because, you know, I've seen several people saying, hey, yeah, this is actually being considered Star Wars canon. And um, I'm like, OK, it's a uh, young Jedi adventures, which is clearly for kids, clearly, absolutely 1000 percent for kids. I'm like, all right, I'll check it out, see if it's if there's anything redeeming. You know, it's for kids. It's fine. It's it's I'm sure it's very good for them. I'm like, I see nothing in here that <laughs> remotely suggests canon other than. Okay, it's 225 years before the Battle of Yavin. Yavin, everybody seems very happy and peaceful. No, shit has not proverbially hit the fan yet. So, 
um, you know, it's just kind of something I've been dabbling with watching it in my free time here and there because they're short episodes and just kind of, eh. I mean, for the kids, it's great. But other than that, it's it's pretty much just been the same old stuff. Cool. All right. Well, folks, there you have it. That's what we've been watching. Don't watch Jurassic World Dominion. Don't watch Rebel Moon Part 1. You, you will you will lose brain cells. Uh, if you're going to lose brain cells, you know, have pour yourself a malted beverage or something. Kill your brain cells that way. That's that's the way to go. Gentlemen, we're going to head out of here soon. But before we do that, of course, we need to do a quick once around. Tell everybody where they can find you out there on the socials as well as on the Chairshot Radio Network. This week, we will start with David Ungar. Uh, you can find me on the platform now, affectionately known as Twix at Attitude Ag. That is at Attitude A-G-G. Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression, Face or Instagram and threads at Attitude of Aggression, all one word. Tony, where, where should we send the hate tweets to this week? Uh, send the hate tweets to at Mindless Pod, at the Mindless Pod. I agree. That, that bearded slut. Yeah, the guy comes because in for the last- Because he likes Zack Snyder. He comes in for the last 10 minutes of the swaggies and just, you know, <laughs> what a great run in. Yeah, send your hate tweets to him. He'll appreciate it. There you go. Uh, all right, PC Tunny. You can follow me at PC Tunny. Continue to listen to everything Chairshot Radio Network, all of your favorite streaming platforms. And um, yeah, I fun show today. Enjoyed it. Good. I'm glad you had a good time. You can follow me on the X Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. Follow that same handle on Instagram, on threads, uh, all of the socials. Also, make sure that you go out and follow Bandwagon Nerds on the X Twitter at Bandwagon Nerds. Time to change the subject on the poll, Dave. We lost numbers. Rocky losing steam. Had to find a new franchise to pick on. We'll have something good up there, though. It's a lot of fun. We're getting some good engagement there. Keep it up. Keep voting. Uh, we love to hear from you. So uh, that, though, is going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. So I hope you all enjoyed it. Now get yourself out of the basement, get some sun, if for no other reason than to avoid Rebel Moon because Zack Snyder is trash. You have been listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the ChairShot Radio Network, part of the ChairShot.com.
She's walking on the beach. She laid out all day and got a tan. Your woman is fine and got a body looking right. She's walking on the beach crying. In the Bahamas, lovers on the beach making love. She's all by herself walking along, feeling sad, thinking about you. And everybody is real romantic. The, motion, the ocean is shimmying off the, 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 the moon and shimmying off the ocean. And your woman's standing there looking at it and crying. And all of a sudden, a dude named Dexter walks up. <laughs> Dexter St. Jock. He walk up swinging his dick. <laughs> Any good that smooth Bahamas shit on your woman? What a beautiful girl like you doing by herself on the island alone. <laughs> this is the island for lovers. You should be being held right now. Girl, what you crying about? I'm having some problems with my boyfriend, so I came down here to think it over. But tell me what hotel that your man staying in me. Go over there and tell him that you treat a woman like you like a princess. If you a white woman, I make love to you constantly. <laughs> what hotel this man staying in? Well, he's back in New York. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> well, listen, girl. Won't you come back around my place? We sit down and talk it over. But all we're going to do is talk. Take your woman to his house and roll one of them big-ass Bahama joints. <laughs> shit this big and shit. Put some of that Bob Molly music on. Y'all know Bob be preaching. And then she say, don't let him fool you. Oh, no. Na-na-na-na-na-da-da-da. <laughs> I even try to school you. Oh, yeah. Could this be love? Then be love. Dick swinging. Next thing you know, Dexter is fucking your woman. Well. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.